Welcome to the MKN Coaching Podcast. Almost every conversation I have with people who reach out to me involves at least a mention of weight loss. So before diving into this episode, we need to clarify a few things. Eating disorders can be life-threatening. Not all of the advice I give is going to be relevant for everyone, and this is not a substitute for medical advice. The information in this episode is primarily for people struggling with binge eating as a direct result of restrictive diets. Despite my own history with bulimia, the things that I've done and described in this episode have happened many years after bulimia became a thing of the past for me. I would never advise someone struggling with bulimia or anorexia to seek weight loss advice, and there is potentially triggering content in this episode, so listen with discretion. Now, I feel this needs to be addressed because one of the most common questions I get from people struggling with binge eating is, how long do I need to spend getting my relationship with food sorted out before I can start losing weight? And it was this question that inspired me to do a little experiment in January and February this year, 2022. So as someone who struggled with disordered eating and anxiety surrounding food and body image for over a decade, I wanted to know if I could engage in purposeful, sustainable weight loss while weighing myself every day and doing a few things that less than three years ago would have caused me a lot of discomfort and anxiety. Now, what you're about to hear are the results of my experience through January and February 2022, as well as some key principles that will help you on your own journey. So to give you an idea of where this has come from and how it might be relevant for you personally, from the age of 15 through 30, I experienced a range of eating disorders, a lot of anxiety and stress surrounding food, and was constantly trying to get leaner and look better using methods like keto, intermittent fasting, one meal a day, and just generally restricting my calories. So since moving away from that cycle around 2018 and giving myself permission to eat a much wider range of foods, I've been much happier, physically stronger during training sessions and exercise, less anxious, and I no longer spend every day making plans around food. So giving myself unconditional permission to eat while working through the discomfort of changing my binge eating patterns was difficult at the start of my journey, especially given that I worked in the fitness industry and was often surrounded by people who were constantly talking about their diets. But with consistency and introspection, that wasn't too complicated to overcome. So listening to people engage in the language of disordered eating was annoying for me and at times a bit triggering, but I practiced effectively managing those triggers until they were no longer a problem. Though the elephant in the room here that a lot of people ask about and the question that I know is still on quite a few people's minds is, Yeah, okay, that's cool, food freedom and all that, but are you still in good shape? And could you lose weight, if you wanted to, without going straight back into an eating disorder? So the direct answer to that would be, yes, I am in good shape, but only as a result of rejecting diet and aesthetic fitness propaganda and treating myself like an athlete. I believe we do put way too much emphasis on appearance and image, And the degree to which we place people who look a certain way on pedestals is extremely unhealthy. But I also feel like 
unless we talk about it openly without pretending certain questions don't exist, we're going to keep coming up against the same barriers to progress. So yes, I've gone through this process and I'm still training, still in great shape, am stronger and healthier than ever, but I do not put pressure on myself to be as lean as possible all year round or do anything with my diet or training that has a negative impact on my happiness or sanity. I believe diets should nourish us and physical training and movement should recharge us. And if you're starving yourself and falling over exhausted during workouts, it really doesn't need to be that way. Bodies change over the years. And there are a lot of people out there taking enormous risks to try and stop that from happening in the name of image. But if you stop to take a look at a lot of the healthy retired athletes who continue training and feeling good as they age, they're not signing up for the latest bullshit 12-week challenge or diet fad that's appearing on their social media feeds or at their local gym. They are who they are and they look the way they look because they have a good relationship with food and understand strength and conditioning training principles. Now, there are plenty of people out there, certain mental health professionals, dietitians, doctors, body positivity groups who aggressively criticize, aggressively criticize anyone who advocates or participates in purposeful weight loss. And at the same time, there is an absolutely disgusting amount of fat phobia and weight discrimination out there. So my personal stance on the topic of intentional weight loss is that it needs to be looked at in a case-by-case scenario. I think it's wrong that people are being pressured to conform to a very narrow range of body types. And at the same time, I don't think people deserve to be crucified for wanting to change something about their weight or appearance if they're taking the safest possible steps to do so. So with that said, let's have a quick chat about January and February 2022. So in January this year, I decided to intentionally lose some weight to see if I could engage in that process without catapulting myself back into an eating disorder. I weighed and measured my portions of food, limited my carbohydrates, and weighed myself every day. Now, I didn't need to weigh myself every day, but I did it because I wanted to show just how unpredictable our weight can be from day to day, even when we take purposeful steps towards weight loss. And despite how consistent I was with the steps I was taking, the weight loss I experienced was not linear or predictable. I could follow the same rules multiple days in a row and not always experience weight loss. And the annoying thing here is that this isn't news. This is very normal. But individuals and companies who monetize weight loss love to glorify results that can be seen on the scales. And they do this because it's marketable, not because it's always in line with your best interests. Additionally, because I was limiting my carbohydrates, on the couple of occasions when I did have a carbohydrate-heavy meal, my weight shot up the next day. Now, this is not because the carbohydrates led to me gaining fat overnight. This is because when we restrict carbohydrates, our body burns through glycogen stores, glycogen being one of the ways our body stores energy. This creates the illusion that we're losing weight faster than we actually are. The moment we have a carbohydrate heavy meal, those stores are replenished and our weight jumps back up. 
This process leads people on low-carb diets to develop an extremely anxious relationship with carbohydrates. We end up thinking that the pizza we ate on Sunday led to gaining the weight lost in the previous week back by Monday morning. So again, we see that relying on weight as a measure of progress isn't reliable and can lead to severe problems. And something else worth noting was the day I lost 1.2 kilos in the space of 24 hours. Now, the magic formula for that was I had a bunch of drinks with some friends at work one night and woke up apocalyptically hungover. I was dehydrated. There was zero fat loss there, but almost three pounds of weight loss in less than 24 hours. And if we didn't know what we were looking at, We'd be looking at that weight loss and high-fiving ourselves and going, yeah, woohoo. But then the moment we start drinking water, the moment regular life starts happening again, the moment we start recovering from a hangover or recovering from dehydration, all that weight comes back on. And again, if someone was misguided about what was happening there, they could get really down on themselves and go, oh no, my weight's gone back up. This is terrible. I'm a failure, etc., etc. Now, because of the mindset work that I've done over the last few years, I was able to do this without being thrown back into an eating disorder and without being thrown back into experiencing a lot of anxiety. And if nothing else these couple of months really did reinforce for me how fickle weight loss goals can be when we glue our eyes to the scales as our only measure of progress. But something else that I noticed is that because I was paying proper attention to eating more vegetables, staying hydrated, getting enough sleep, doing high quality training sessions, and hitting my daily protein target, my body composition changed. That's to say I gained a bit of muscle while losing a couple of kilos of body fat. This meant that if I was looking at the scales and comparing myself to weight loss accounts on social media, I might be disappointed. But the end result of January, February 2022 has been a successful body composition change, a leaner and stronger version of myself that looks noticeably different even though my overall weight has only dropped by one or two kilos. This process has set me up to continue and build on this work for as long as I want to. This is something I can maintain. I'm not waking up every day thinking, ah, shit, like, you know, I've got five more weeks on this stupid diet and I'm hating my life. That's not what's happening at all. This is maintainable. We can do this indefinitely. So with all that said, what are the answers? What do we do? If we actually want to make some changes that are real changes that last, that don't drive us insane in the process. Firstly, doing the groundwork is vital. Being thrown into anxiety and obsession isn't going to get us anywhere. Secondly, rather than focusing on the scales, why not focus on things that are actually within your control? like cultivating an ability to make well-informed, mindful decisions about food and training that aren't driven by emotional impulse or anxiety. Now, this doesn't mean we need to be robotic and remove the human element from our relationship with food, but what it can mean is doing less or none of the following things. So less relying on food to relieve stress, less eating because we're bored, No more using exercise as just a calorie burning tool. Not allowing the scales 
to dictate how we feel and absolutely zero jumping on board with health and fitness gimmicks that overpromise and under deliver. Now, when we move beyond those things and move beyond eating as a tool to alter our mood, we begin to experience really amazing new possibilities and we start to eat on purpose. And when I say eating on purpose, this means we're eating because we're doing so for nourishment or because we want a particular experience. Now, eating for nourishment might mean preparing a nutritious lunch that you'll enjoy because you want to feel good throughout the afternoon. And eating for an experience might mean that you're out with friends and choose to order your favorite dessert. Eating on purpose doesn't mean starving yourself through some kind of unsustainable restrictive diet than binge eating while sitting in a car outside a 7-Eleven because if it happens in the car, it doesn't count. That was one of my old go-tos. I was very familiar with that process for many years and it was extremely miserable. So on one hand, you're making a mindful choice that you're happy with. On the other hand, you're doing something because you feel driven to it, like a part of your brain is pressuring you into acting in a way you're not going to be totally happy with an hour from now. So eating and training on purpose with mindful intention also means not allowing yourself to go back to methods you've used in the past that have ended in disaster. Even if those methods gave you the illusion of delivering some results temporarily, if you couldn't happily stick to them, if they caused problems, they have to go. They absolutely have to go if we want to move forward. A client recently asked me about grabbing a handful of cheese and crackers after work and sitting down to watch some TV and whether or not that falls under the category of eating on purpose. So we talked about it and he decided that it was eating on purpose because he felt like he was in control of the experience and could stop eating whenever he wanted. He decided ahead of time approximately how much he was going to eat and felt good about sticking with that. And he enjoyed it without feeling like it was something that he was desperate for. So again, he felt like he was at the wheel of that experience. And again, we have to factor in the human element. It is normal to sometimes eat a little bit more or a little bit less than we intended. But a little bit more does not a binge make. So in summary, when it comes to disordered eating and weight loss, I'd say this. If you're struggling with binge eating... Purposeful weight loss might be achieved if you're willing to slow the process down and refuse to repeat history, if you're willing to stop living your life by the scales, if you're willing to practice eating on purpose, willing to learn and practice strength training fundamentals and develop a high degree of mindfulness and introspection around your relationship with food, then we have a chance. But as with everything, this truly does need to be looked at in a case-by-case scenario. Is this right for you or is it not? And I understand some of the content in this episode may have challenged some of your current beliefs surrounding food, weight loss, and fitness. So if you're still here with me at this point, I hope you found this helpful. It's very normal to hear a bunch of information like this and end up thinking, you know, okay, sure, but where do I begin to implement any of these things or make any of these changes? 
And this is why helping people make these changes, break destructive patterns, and creating action steps that lead to fulfilling sustainable goals is what I do in my coaching practice. So if you do have questions, I'm more than happy to catch up with you for a chat over a video call. So to book a time for that, you can message me via Instagram at mkanecoaching or via my website, mkanecoaching.com. And I'll be more than happy to catch up with you for a coffee over a Zoom call and talk a bit about your journey. So thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope it's clarified a few things for you. And we'll speak again soon.